Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the 27th episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydahl. I always like to start off the the episode with saying a little bit of gratitude. Thank you very much, as always, um, to everyone that gets in touch every week after we put up the show. Um, little messages of support, little reviews on iTunes and follows on Spotify. Um, thank you very much. Uh, the little growth that this podcast is is receiving is fantastic. Um, and we're really excited for what's coming, the guests that are coming and, you know, just the chat, the potential chat that's out there. So um, thank you very much. Please don't stop sharing links to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Tell your parents, tell your brothers, tell your sisters. Um, we really want to, to grow the podcast this year and um, we can only do that with your help. So on today's episode, I am delighted to have a wonderful man um, who I have the pleasure of knowing since I'm about 14 or 15 years of age. Um, it is, of course, Mr. Ian Flynn. Um, you're probably asking, well, who is Ian Flynn? He is the owner of the High Society Tattoo Studio in Kilkenny and he's also a tattoo artist almost 25 years um, in Ireland. I will say it, he, w- he wouldn't say it, but I will say uh, probably one of our most successful um, tattoo artists that we've had are definitely up there. His work from portraits to uh, just if you're on Instagram, go to at Ian Flynn Tattoo. So it's Ian underscore Flynn underscore Tattoo. His work, um, his portraits are something that um, have always impressed me. And, and I know he does a, a vast range of, of tattooing, but um, his portraits are really something special. So you should log on there and have a look. But Ian was in the studio with me today just to talk about tattooing, how he got into it, the craft that's actually involved in tattooing. Um, the the negative side of tattooing, um, the stereotyping that's, that can sometimes um, be in tattooing um, and really just about his creative journey um, in it and hearing about uh, his story, uh, his life and then what led to um, him opening up the High Society Tattoo which is based in Kilkenny. Um, we also sp- spoke about the other artists that he has, uh, one in particular which is his sister Louise um, who's now specialising in this wonderful like w- watercolour um, tattooing. Um, so great story, I think you'll really enjoy it um, and really super to get another fantastic creative onto the, the podcast to talk about their life and their journey. So without further ado, I will let you enjoy the 27th episode of The First Exchange with Ian Flynn. Ian Flynn, welcome. Lydia, thank you. <laughs> Delighted to get you on the podcast. Uh, I think, to be here. did I say to you um, when I started this podcast, did I say I was going to get you on or did I ask you? You asked me a few months. Well, you kind of mentioned it a few months ago, but I wasn't sure like whether it was just kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> Fluffing you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> to put the listener into context, um, Ian is married to my best friend. We've known each other since we we're 14, 15. Since well, since I'm, 14. I'm 14, 15. <laughs> you are considerably older than I am. <laughs> no. uh, so we go back a, a, a long a long way. Um, so obviously I decided to get you on to the podcast today to talk about your art, your creative splurge and mm-hmm. obviously the the new location, new opening of your new studio, um, High Society Tattoo in Kilkenny. That's correct. So let's go from the app. Actually, before we get started, let's talk about the mad coincidence that happened this week. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, to set the, so if you've, this is episode 27. So if you've listened to episode 26, you will know Jonathan Smith, who we had on, the owner of Ernesto's Cafe in Ratmines. He was talking about his Cuban um, inspired cafe that he has in Ratmines and about how he went to Cuba and went yearly and uh, done lots of charity work at home so that he could send over um, musical equipment to Cuba for the kids, the underprivileged kids over there. So this week, I messaged Ian to say, you know, Thursday, you'll be in the studio, podcast, everything's still okay, still confirmed, you can still make it. And he wrote back, yes, Ian, take over. I then sent Lydia (laughs) a group of photographs uh, of um, myself and a friend of mine and a couple of other guys who were taken in Cuba uh, about 17 years ago. And nothing else but the photographs and... Lydia <laughs> replied, oh, those were the days, kid. <laughs> because uh, I'm like, why is he sending me photographs of like 20 years ago? Uh, but basically what I was hoping she would notice is that one of the guys in the photograph was uh, Jonathan Smith from the podcast last week <laughs> that I had met in Cuba and uh, had a great time and had a, a kind of an idea of his uh, Cuban cafe thing um, and it was just like pure coincidence that I spotted him uh, and remembered him from 17 years ago. It's uh, just so. like you couldn't write that. Like it's no, so, it's so bizarre. And I mean, I will put that down to the universe <laughs> giving I, me I signs. I put that down to coincidence. <laughs> me and Ian have had many, many, many hours uh conversation at his dinner table debating um, the universe uh, you know, uh, serendipity, all these events. Ian is a staunch atheist, <laughs> does not agree with me on anything. <laughs> so it's a wonderful conversation to be sat next to us. Um, but that is just so bizarre because, I mean, like, I, I forgot that you were even in Cuba that long ago. No, Do you know it, what it I mean? Is, it is a crazy coincidence. Like, how weird. So I text Jonathan and he, he remembered you as well. You know what I mean? When he, I sent the photographs, it was just like so bizarre and brilliant. Love, that's never happened to me before. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yes, I love that. So we'll take it as a nod from the universe or just a massive coincidence. Um, But yeah, so obviously wanted to get you on today um, because how how, how old now is the High Society Tattoo Studio? Um, We're four and a half years um, in Kilkenny. Um, The new studio, we we moved in about three weeks before Christmas. Yeah. Um, Where is it now? It is on Barrack Street, uh, which is near the McDonough, the train station. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people can get to us easily, buses and trains and stuff like that. So. And it's next door to that incredible... Yes. Aaron, is uh, it Aaron? A shout out to Aaron, the Irish Aron. for bread. Yeah. Yes. Um, a bakery and cafe next door to us with Stunning. unbelievable food. Yeah. yeah. I remember when you were actually, you had... Um, 
it, you were just after getting the property and you were you know doing the building work and different things and I was with you mm. and I was like you know I'll run in and get a bit of breakfast while you're doing a little work here and I couldn't believe it it was yeah, stunning really good yeah. Shadow I will be down soon hope that warrants a little something something <laughs> 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 but let's go back to the beginning um, tell our listeners about how you got into this journey of tattooing where did it start for you um, well I suppose I grew up in a very creative household uh, mm-hmm. seven kids um, we were all uh, we're very kind of like just allowed to do our own thing uh, and we all have like even now we're all grown up but we're all still kind of involved in the arts and stuff yeah um and when I was about even as a kid I was like always drawn on my cousins with sharpies and pens and stuff like into guns and roses and stuff it was <laughs> yes. like um <laughs> And even in school, like m- most of my classes were spent just doodling on copy books mm. and like drawing album artwork for invisible bands and creating comic books and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I kind of, it wasn't, um, I think it wasn't a thing that I was always like, I'm going to be a tattoo artist. A lot, a lot of people get into it that way. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is what yeah. I'm going to be. It wasn't really like that for me. I kind of had an idea. I'd go to college and I'd, I could do something in art, like art teacher or something like that. Um, and I was working for a couple of years when I left school to get some money together. And I got an opportunity of an apprenticeship with Joe Myler and JMDs in Waterford. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, it was like a huge opportunity. Joe's like, you know, one of the, the most renowned artists in the country. He was a, like mm. a pioneer of tattooing in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it like I I jumped at the chance, but it did take uh, a lot of time. Like it, you know, it's a, it is a, a hard thing to to yeah. re, to get into. How old were you when you were offered that in, uh, apprenticeship? I'm going to say like 17 or 18. Um, and it took like a couple of years of, you know, my, my portfolio was must have been strong enough to get me in the yeah. door. But um, I had to kind of like, you know, really kind of uh, mm-hmm. push it to learn, learn the, the trade and the technical side of it. Mm. But it, it is it's it's difficult to get into. It. You know, it is um, a, a huge confidence thing. You know, yeah. even if your artistic ability is there to transfer that to putting it on somebody's body mm-hmm. forever is a huge leap, I imagine so, yeah. before we get into to starting out tattooing um, and different bits talk to me about the time maybe when you were in school primary primary school secondary school was there anyone in terms of like a teacher or um you know maybe a a, 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 a inspirational figure that kind of saw your talent or skill and sort of you know pushed um, you to to or encouraged you to to keep at it or to to build I don't know like I, I had a, t- a teacher in secondary school uh, an art teacher Miss Germani mm. and she would have pushed me a bit but I suppose I was always drawn absolutely mm. always like my when I was a teenager the walls of my bedroom were covered in I used to draw and paint on the walls and the ceilings mm. and stuff and um, I, I would have always it was just something that I did but it didn't seem I when when you're doing something that's your reality so I, I didn't think yeah. I was any different to everybody else you, you know you, when you're a teenager you don't really think I'm the only one that's, that's doing this doing, or doing this much of it mm. you know so um, but I, I always like got good grades in art and stuff and would have had a, a, mm. an interest in it and kind of just any kind of visual art so yeah. Um, but yeah I, like if I, I'd meet my uh, art teachers now, you know, and they, you know, are kind of delighted that I do what I do, that I made a career out of it. You yeah. know, it's kind of like 
their job they did a good job on me yeah so <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I suppose if Mr. Manny from St. Paul's uh, would have been uh, no the one way. that kind of pushed me was there ever anyone you know um I mean obviously I I, I know your mom and I knew your dad very well um so I can't imagine that they would have been like give over that art you won't because because your dad is quite creative your mom is quite yeah. open-minded but was there anyone that was like you know whether it was school or otherwise I said you'll never make a career out of doing something like no, that no like I, we were always kind of left to our own devices you know if we wanted yeah. to do something we were allowed to do it you know there was no never a thing of like you have to go to college or you have to do this or my grandfather on my mom's side was really artistic he was mm. like a crazy inventor you know uh, carpenter painter um so I, I probably you know saw a lot of his stuff growing up um mm. but yeah we were under no pressure you know we were just kind of um we were kind of feral kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that kind of allowed us to to yeah. develop you know like um both uh two of my brothers got into music djing and producing music yep. um one of them is starting a club night in I was just about Dublin. to say, yeah. Neil Flynn, yeah. yeah. What's the name of it? Uh, Sketch. Sketch. And um, um, where are they, where are they going to? Hang Die. Hang Die, yeah. yeah. Um, Stephen is in Miami. He produced music for a long time. Uh, even uh, Our older sister, Jennifer, was always into kind of interior art and design. Yeah. Louise, who works with me in the studio, studied fine art and uh, mm-hmm. has a master's in fine art. And both Colin and Lennon are carpenters. So every yeah. one of us have, you know, it's a creative, it was a creative household. My dad played guitar all the time, mm. you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a house of art and music. It was great. So this is the question that I have for you because I'm always, um, I find it quite fascinating about uh, how people get on to, we'll say, their chosen paths and whether something like you being a tattoo artist or an artist in general um, is something that you were almost um, like it's your life purpose that you were you were almost put here to do that um, and that you couldn't do anything else. And I'm wondering, would you agree with that or do you think it's because of that freedom of growing up that it was a sort of creative, free household that that kind of garnered your... Um, all of your your siblings sort of you know avenue into arts or something creative um I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things um like yeah that definitely had a big influence on it but there has to be a, a bit of a talent or an interest in it yeah you know I, I i do like the idea of saying anybody can become anything but yeah. you know it definitely helps if you're naturally uh, you know okay at it to begin with yeah. or you really really love it mm. you know I'm sure there's loads of kids who love to be like Lionel Messi but you know, <laughs> it, it mightn't happen so it's kind of like chances are survey says yeah. it's not going to happen yeah. so like <laughs> um, you, you have to kind of like love what you're doing and have the yeah. interest in doing it and for it to become your routine and your life you know yeah. that it's it's what you do um, and yeah I suppose um, I I think, like I said, I didn't, you know, go seeking out tattooing. Tattooing kind of found me. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, give it my all. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I, I I suppose it's it's a combination of, of a few different mm-hmm. things that lead you in a direction. But I, I think that I would be capable of, if I was interested in something enough and I loved something enough, I'd, yeah. I could do it. You know, as, as in not that I'd be good at it, but that I'd, I'd put my all yeah. into it. Explain to me what you mean there by uh, tattoo and found you. Um, right. 
I have um, a guy that works with us, uh, John. Um, he goes under the handle of Not Dead Yet Tattoos, if you want to check him out on Instagram. Um, he, I gave him his first tattoo when he was... Uh, oh, actually, he came into me when he was 15, and I said no, but he came back when he was 18. <laughs> and I did the tattoo for him. And he will tell you that, like, you know, from the time he knew how to draw, he wanted to be a tattoo artist. He immerses himself in it, and, you know, that mm-hmm. this is his all... Um, so that's somebody who, who would seek it out, yeah. whereas I got the opportunity in it. Um, so I, I kind of not stumbled across it. I was doing art, but mm. my art could have led me into animation or could have yeah. led me into, you know, I don't know, teaching or whatever. You yeah. know, it, I was going to do something with it, but it turns out that it, tattooing found me before mm-hmm. uh, something else found me. Well, we'll talk about John in a moment because that whole situation about how you gave him his first tattoo and now he's working <laughs> for you. Okay, universe. <laughs> All right. Just coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so y- y- you get your apprenticeship. Um, you're starting out like... I have an idea. I've been in your studio uh, quite a few times. So when I have an idea of how the, the process is and how it works. Um, for our listeners that may n- have not had a, a tattoo yet, um, give them an idea of the sort of environment or the, the workspace that you're going into. Give them, give them, put them into the perspective of what it would have been like for you starting out and being faced with that kind of challenge of, OK, I have to tattoo on, on skin now. Um, OK, as in from an apprenticeship point of view? Or, yeah. yeah, so when you, go, you get the apprenticeship, you're in there, like, what's what are you working out at? Um, well, I suppose it, I did a kind of an old school apprenticeship. It's different. <laughs> today Prime uh, all your mates <laughs> well it, it's more that uh, today you can you can buy fake skin online yeah. to practice on and you know that um, the, the machines the rotary machines are a lot easier to use mm-hmm. uh, the coil machines have a lot of moving parts that break and mm. um, we used to go in on a Saturday morning at seven o'clock to make our needles for the week using like solar and irons and jigs and stuff and like burning You're kidding our, me. Yeah, burning our fingers off. Like we'd make up the different needle groups that we'd use during the week. Wow. Um whereas today you just order them online. So it's uh, it, it's a, a different world but so you would have to learn the technical aspect of it whilst you're working on your portfolio and then if you're lucky, if you could find some of your friends that were willing to <laughs> donate a bit of real estate, um, and you would you would basically practice on on, on your friends and family, you know. Um, but the whole idea is that you start out small, you know, simple designs, yeah. simple kind of blocks of color and stuff to mm-hmm. to get the the feel for it because it's you're tattooing a living, moving, mm-hmm. breathing um, uh, object, and it's like. Not that human beings are objects, but um, like different skin types, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. really plump skin, greasy skin, oily mm. skin, dry skin. So, um, you know, you're going along a, a nice, solid bit of flesh and then you hit a collarbone or an elbow or something. And, you know, the the, the texture and the dynamic completely changes. So yeah. these are all the kind of things that you, you have to take into account mm. and that you can only learn them over time. Like you can't learn to tattoo by doing a course online yeah. or you know one of these like six weeks tattoo school courses yeah i'm doing it 22 years now and i'm still learning every single yeah. day still it it blows my mind the things that you kind of pick up um, and still doing it that long so it's uh i imagine that's terrifying when you start out that you are or or, or is it uh, it is and like 
some people don't make it. You know, yeah. they just literally it consumes them. The worry it consumes them at that it, they don't make it. Even though they're really talented, it just it doesn't work for them. Where is the worry that they haven't done a good job? Or yeah, or they're going to mess it up, or the person's mm. not going to be happy with it. You know, you're not putting it on a, a blank piece of paper. It's it's on mm-hmm. somebody. They're going to walk around. Other people are going to see it. So yeah. all this stuff it kind of goes through your head. And the key is to find the balance between caring enough uh, about what you're doing to do a good job, mm-hmm. but not caring so much that you're going to like just freak out and not be able to do mm, that job. Right. Um, but it's a fine line, I imagine. It is, but and, and like I'm, I'm probably overanalyzing a little bit. Some some mm-hmm. people take like a duck to water, um, and some people actually don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, and I instantly think about that. There's so many bad tattoos, but you know that really infamous mm-hmm. um, Michael Jackson one. Yeah. Where he looks, yeah. There's there's some. He looks melted. Yeah. Like there's some crackers out there. There there is yeah. But like <laughs> w- once you do get it, then like w- once you get it, it's almost like an addiction where mm. you want to you know once you get it right, the feeling of it is so good. And then as you progress, even different styles and um, you know longer lines, grey shading, mixing colors, mm. uh, light sourcing. Like there's there's so much to it. it yeah. It's just endless. The amount mm. of stuff that you can learn and you just kind of feed off it. And the feeling you get from completing a tattoo where you and the client are so happy with it that it's just like you're you're floating off it. So a it's, buzz. Yeah, a it buzz. is. Can yeah. you remember the moment where something clicked in you and you were like, this is what I'm good at. I'm good at this. Oh God, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a long time ago. <laughs> um, like, no, it's, it, there's been so many moments over the years where yeah. I've felt that I've uh, become okay at, at a certain style or, mm. you know, where just, sometimes you do just do, like, because you're basically, if, if you can look at it, like, uh, you're doing commissions for people. Somebody is commissioning you yeah. to paint a, a, a piece of art for them. Yeah. Um, but the difference is they're going to carry it around on their body for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, so w- when you kind of, uh, like uh, all the work that we do in the studio is custom work. We don't really have flash books or uh, mm-hmm. flash sheets on the walls and stuff. So this is where the, the, the client flip, would flip go in and go, and I want that one. Yeah. 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 So we don't really do that. It's more of a custom design process. We, you know, we get reference ideas and kind of, um, I suppose, because our portfolios are online on Instagram and Facebook, mm. people can kind of see the work that we do and kind of go, okay, I, I really like your work. I'd like you to design this for yeah. me. Um, so it is very design-led. Um, and when you do something that somebody's really, really happy with and you're yeah. really, really happy with, it's it's the best feeling in the world. But a lot of the time, you're kind of like, most of the stuff, you wouldn't put it on yourself. You know, yeah. you, it's it's you're doing it for the client. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you do a tattoo and you're looking at it going like... <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, we, like us, the three other artists in the studio, I'd sometimes like, you know, be looking and walking around and looking at the lads working yeah. and they'd be doing something and like there could be somebody in the chair, you know, getting their first tattoo and I'd be like, I, I'd get that tattoo. Yeah. And they're like, what? No, this is this is my tattoo. <laughs> um, 
what was I going to say to you there? Because I mean, you're, the 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 process that you guys have is actually quite special because it means that you're getting a piece of work that nobody else is going to have. You yeah, know, so yeah. it's it's it makes it even more special. I can imagine there is nothing worse than having a piece on your arm, being like, "I love this. This is mine," and then you're sat in a bar and you see someone with the same tattoo. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, yeah, that would be. But sometimes, if somebody is picking a generic piece off mm. the internet then I don't think it is a worry for them. Um, like, it'd be different if you went in expecting a, a custom design yeah. and then you realise that the artist didn't custom design it. <laughs> they just took it from the internet. Then, yeah. yeah, that would be a horrible situation. But, like, there there are studios that do, like, just flash mm-hmm. sheets and stuff of kind of generic stuff. And yeah. I, I don't mean generic in a negative uh, yeah. context. Like, um, that it's not a big deal if somebody else has the same tattoo because yeah. that's just what you're looking for. Mm. And, you know, that that's fine as well. If somebody has something specific, this is what I want, this is the colour I want, and this is the, you know, it's, that's, that's fine to do as yeah. well. But the majority of the work that we do will be, will be custom-led. Mm-hmm. Am I right in thinking that your specialty will be portraits? Uh, I, I do a lot of portraits and I love doing them and I'm, I, I suppose I'm fairly confident at them. Mm. I don't have one speciality. I like doing, there's so many styles and there's so many like the Japanese, neo-traditional, there's so, so much stuff that I love to do that to abandon a few styles to focus on one style, yeah. I, I think I would miss the other styles too much. Yeah. And But the risk with that is that sometimes there's a worry that you're kind of jack of all trades but master of none. Yeah. Um, and... I, I sometimes feel like I should just pick whether it's portraits or neo-traditional or Japanese and just kind of go, OK, for the next few years, this is all I'm going to do. Mm. And I'm just going to, you know, completely immerse myself in it. Um, but I haven't got to the point yet where I'm willing to let go of the other stuff that yeah. I love doing. Um, but portraits are, yeah, it, mm. they're, they're something that I really, really love to do. Um, I'm instantly when you're talking there... Um, is, it's a shame we don't have video hopefully hopefully soon shame we might get video in here uh, be, for anyone that's listening um, if you have your phone grab your phone and go to um, Ian Flynn Tattoo on Instagram Ian underscore Flynn underscore Tattoo or High Society um, on Instagram and look at Ian's portraits the one that stands out for me or did stand out for me was the Bob Dylan one Oh like, yeah, yeah. What is that on a cover? Is it the cover of? Um... No, well, I've done the I've done a sleeve of Bob Dylan uh, portraits on a guy, um, and we actually finished it last week. Um, but it, it basically, there's um, one of the portraits is from the Rolling Thunder review, I think it is, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then there's one from Blonde on Blonde, and I'm not sure what the other album is, but they're just kind of the, the idea was. Bob Dylan is not Bob Dylan. He's Bob Dylan from different timelines. Yeah. Um, if you've ever seen the movie, um, oh God. I assume with Kate Blanchett, right? Yeah. 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 Kate Blanchett plays Bob Dylan. Yeah. And as a little black kid plays Bob Dylan. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of sums up Bob Dylan. You know, he's a, a chameleon. So yeah. the idea of the sleeve was the different uh, kind of phases of his uh, morphing into the different Bobs. Brilliant. Into <laughs> the different Bobs. Um, like I imagine um, when you're getting commissioned to do to do a piece like it's almost like the the trail because for anyone that doesn't um, 
understand the process you would work with the idea with the the customer and then the night before or a couple of days before you actually draw it at home before you go in yeah explain to someone the process because i think a lot of people just think that they rock up to a tattoo studio and you're going to just do a design and, and that'll be it um so with most custom artists um if you find an artist that you like their work, they like the style of their work and like what they do, and you have an idea of a tattoo that you want, mm. basically what I'd be looking for is I'd want to know um, the size, the placement, uh, reference images um, for ideas and stuff, even photographs of where you want to put it on your mm. body. Because a lot of the time uh, we use a program called Procreate on the iPad to design most of the stuff. Mm. And... Uh, so what it might involve is I take a photograph of your, you know, it's your inner bicep and I'll superimpose the design onto it so that it fits the, the shape of your body. Because if you're six foot four and 24 stone or you're five foot seven and 11 stone, you know, yeah. the, the tattoo is obviously going to look different on different body shapes. Mm. So um, it means that we can kind of uh, design it to fit. Um, and then with the reference images, you know, the more references, you, we get it more of an idea of the, the kind of the look that you want in yeah. the style. And it could be like colors or details or whatever. So, um, but it is kind of important that you, if you're going to get a, a custom artist to design something, you have to trust their design. Mm. You, the reason why you're going to them is because you're looking for their work. Yeah. And so not everybody, it's, a, it's only a, a very small percentage, but some people think that you're going to draw four or five or six drafts. You're going to spend yeah. three hours, four hours every night which is, that's another thing that tattoo artists have to do. People think like we have the coolest job in the world. We rock in, throw out a few tats. And <laughs> Grab a beer yeah. and head on home. And, uh, do shots. <laughs> uh, it's not like that. It is a, like a, a highly disciplined, like dedicated, um, you know, you, you work your ass off at it and you go home in the evenings and you're drawing, you're looking for reference images, you're looking for designs. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of time I end up going down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia or Pinterest and it's like, oh shit, it's two hours have gone by and yeah. I'm looking at mad stuff and I need to get back to what I'm doing. But um, you, yeah, you, and you have to be on all the time. You mm -hmm. can't have hangover day or a day where you just like I'll uh, hide out the back in the stock room or anything like mm -hmm. when you go in you have to be switched on because you, you the level of creativity that you have to hit has yeah. to be of a standard all the time you can't like do a shit tattoo for somebody mm. one day just because you you know wasn't I wasn't really feeling it today yeah. so um and that that's probably uh like when you look at tattooing versus uh, like a lot of other art forms other art forms you can step away from it for a while you can leave it go you can like like I said hide in the office and just drink tea or whatever yeah. with tattooing it's uh, that is like it's kind of a good thing about it because it keeps you focused and you're you mm. really driven you have to be driven uh, to do it properly yeah um, so and it, it's amazing like you know again there are bad tattoo artists out there but Ireland has for the size of the population and the size mm -hmm. of the cities and stuff we have some amazing tattoo artists and they all have to be that yeah. driven you know you can be good you can be talented you can draw and you can but to produce the, the work that's out there and the discipline and the you know the work in the evenings and the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people mm -hmm. don't see is uh, it's a real credit to the industry which just goes back to the point of you know 
could you imagine yourself doing this if you weren't still in love with it? You know, I imagine you have to be just have that yeah. love, have that depth of obsession, I suppose, for it to be able to be at your level continuously. Yeah, like uh, my wife will probably kill me for saying this, but hey, um, sometimes I can't, you know, for a long weekend or holidays or whatever, I can't wait to get back in. And it's not, yeah. I'm not it's not a thing of like, I can't wait to get away from my life or whatever. <laughs> and it, it's not, and it's not even that I can't wait to get back. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like I need to get back on the horse or something. Yeah. You, you know, the, the routine of it, uh, yeah. the regularity of it is, um, yeah, it's almost like I said, it's like an addiction, you know. Mm. And and sometimes I, I, it's not that I fall out of love in it, but you forget to appreciate the yeah. aesthetic of it. You know, sometimes you're concentrating so much on just doing it right that you need, almost need to stand back from it. Like it could be two weeks later that you'll actually look at the photograph of the tattoo and then kind of go, whoa, I actually, you know, really like that. Whereas at the yeah. time I just did it and took the photograph and, you know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it is. It's kind of, uh, yeah, you have to, you can't half do it. That's absolute. Can we talk about the emotional aspect of getting a tattoo and mm-hmm. what's that, that's like? Um, as somebody that is the creator of something on somebody's body that um, that you know resembles or reminds them of a person or a special time or um, they're commemorating the, the somebody's life or uh, I've been in your studio said a couple of times and while I was there it's such a one of the first things that I, I I recognize that it's it's such a safe open space mm-hmm. and everyone is in the rooms getting tattooed and everyone's chatting to everyone and then there's a natural flow of conversation about the tattoo that will lead on to this is for or this is my dog that passed away or you know these are the sunglasses that m- my dad used to wear when I was a kid and he's no longer with us or whatever it is mm-hmm. um I imagine that it's a very uh not overwhelming but it's a whelming place to be. I suppose. <laughs> what's the what's um, the opposite to overwhelming? <laughs> I'm feeling really whelmed. <laughs> I'm so whelmed right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's something that I'm really proud of with high mm. society. Um, that we do get a, like obviously the feedback on the quality of the work and the tattoos um, is you know great. First and foremost, it's it's what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, but. When you get somebody who is like just really happy to have spent time in there and mm. felt comfortable in there and, um, you know, just really enjoys the vibe in there, uh, even from a, like a fun aspect, you know, just having a good, good crack in there and whatever, that's one side of it. But yeah, like just even recently enough, I, I don't think like tattooing doesn't get the respect it deserves you know like it does from some people but a a lot of people like you you see people on you know these talk shows chat shows and whatever Mm. um you know talking it down that it's scarification and it's uh you know for people with mental health issues yeah 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 (laughs) like what the hell like um and yet the same person would say like that you know art therapy is uh, such an amazing thing to help people with mental health issues or we need to fund the arts because the arts is so good for the mind and people should go into an art gallery and and you know stare at a a caravaggio or you know Mm -hmm. and it's so it's completely underrated and kind of under respected and 
I suppose it comes from it being a kind of underground and kind of a, a subculture and kind of almost like a punk movement in its origins. Mm -hmm. But tattooing, it can help people healing. It can help people mm -hmm. um, with all kinds of disorders and um, mental, uh, not mental illnesses, but m more like depression and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, especially if, say for someone grieving, you know, to get a, a tattoo that reminds them of a loved one or whatever, mm. um, it, it, things like that, that when somebody says to you, like, if I do a portrait of somebody's son that has, has passed on or whatever, and they're like saying, you know, I have him with me now forever and I can see him whenever mm. I want. It's the most amazing feeling in the world. Um, mm. And like recently enough, I was tattooing a guy and a lot, a lot of the elements of the tattoo were to do with him and his uh, partners, like where they met, just different parts of their life. And she's sick at the moment and hopefully she's going to be OK. Mm -hmm. um, but like to, to sit and talk with him about, um, you know, the reasons for getting the tattoo and how it helps him deal with the situation and whatever. I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to go in too much into it, but yeah. Um, getting the tattoo really, really, really helps him and can help people. Um, I had a, another guy a few months back and he booked in to get a tattoo done and then he had to cancel it. So he came in to cancel it and he wanted, he was trying to give me like a cancellation fee. He was mm -hmm. like, I'm really sorry that I can't get it done. He was trying to give me money and I was like, what are you, what are you doing this for? And he was like, he was going through a really, really hard time, mm -hmm. a really bad time and um, so I was kind of saying, look, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. You just get back to me when you want to get it done. Um, and I, w I was kind of foolishly, I tried to belittle the tattoo mm -hmm. side of it. I was saying, look, it's not the end of the world. It's just a tattoo. I was kind of saying to him, oh, you know, just look on it like it's some kind of luxury item. Yeah. And he got really kind of, I won't say annoyed with me, but he was like, no, it's not. You don't understand. He said, yeah, well. for me to get the tattoos done is a massive part of my recovery in what is going on with me, that he, the tattoos help him so much. And there is, there are so many people with those stories that, mm. um, you know, people who've lost their kids and stuff, um, you know, the, the worst things in the world mm. and tattooing can help heal them. So it definitely needs to get more respect from uh, just people who don't know what they're talking about. You know, they, yeah. they really need to be kind of informed and to understand that when they say this crap on TV mm -hmm. or on the radio or whatever, it's really hurtful to people and really offensive to people. Absolutely. Here, here. Well done. Good, good, uh, good points made there. And, and on that point, um, you, I mean, you have personal experience of being asked, hey, uh, Mr. Flynn, would you like to come on the radio or you've got doing different bits because mm -hmm. you are so successful and have been in a situation where you're like on a radio and someone is just there to tear your art asunder? Um, well, it, it, it's more, it's done in a kind of, like I understand that radio shows have uh, to be entertaining and mm -hmm. listenership figures and whatever. And there's also an onus to be 50-50 in a, in a debate or... Um, a discussion. So it, 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 I've, I've been on a few radio shows and different things where I was asked to come on and discuss, you know, some, I think at, at the time it was like Cheryl Cole's arse or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she got the roses yeah. all over. 
and back cheek and I'm an expert on Cheryl <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was asked to come on and discuss uh, whether it was art or whether she had ruined her lovely bum uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so basically, my my uh, my thinking on it was like I I thought it wasn't aesthetically pleasing, um, yeah. but it's her uh, butt and <laughs> she can do with it what she wants, you know. Yeah. Um, and so the discussion was kind of lighthearted because it was kind of trashy, you know, kind of tabloid story or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then the comments started coming in from the listeners, and uh, one comment would be. Uh, I have a tattoo of a rose on my shoulder and I like it, which is, you know, pretty kind of neutral, not too controversial. And then the opposing 50-50 comment would be uh, uh, people who get tattoos have mental illnesses. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they're all (laughs) sinners and they're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> go to burn hell. You know, so I was just kind of like, I, I spoke to the producer afterwards and I was like, you know, don't get me on. Don't to, ring me again, yeah, mate. Yeah, just like, uh, you know, block my number or whatever. Yeah. Um, like bring someone up who's going to maybe even challenge you, like yeah, like educationally uh, yeah. challenge you on it, if, if that it has to be the case, you know, yeah. if they have to put an it's, opposition uh, in there. It's like, yeah, like the, that woman, I don't even want to say her name, that was on TV one night talking about uh, David Beckham, uh, having a mental illness for having tattoos and, um, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Mm. She's a journalist and a barrister. She she has no uh, background in... Yeah. She's not a, a clinical psychologist or whatever. Mm. And it's just lazy. It's kind of like say something controversial to stay relevant. You know, yeah. she could ask, you know, questions about why people do it mm. and learn a little bit about it. Yeah. And if it was a thing, like say there was somebody who taught art therapy sitting at the table, she would have been all over that. That's amazing. You know, helping, yeah. people, helping people heal through art. Yeah. But as soon as you put it on somebody's body, then it's like, oh my God. Yeah. The same concept, just delivered differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, have you experienced yourself any kind of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ju- not judgment. And what's the word? Uh, kind of stereotyping, negative. N- yeah, like stereotyping. Negativity. Any stereotyping? Uh, negative. Yeah, negativity towards you for for having tattoos. Because I mean, our listeners will see the picture we put up on Instagram of you. Beautiful man. Beautiful man. Sat across from me. But um, you're quite well spoken. And like, yeah, well, you know, apart <laughs> from a Waterford accent or a Kenny accent. Saying Cheryl Cole's arms. <laughs> <laughs> Highly educated. But like, you, you look well, you speak well, you know, you're you're able to hold a conversation, um, but you have tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and your ones would be a, bit, a little bit on your hand and then your neck probably mm-hmm. would be the, the main ones. Have you had anyone stereotype you or um, judge you for your tattoos? Not really, because I, I'm very intimidating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all six before yeah. <laughs> uh, no like I, I am I suppose a regular enough looking guy I, I'm not uh, very I'm going to use the word punk again I don't really stand yeah. out that much um, uh, probably just because I'm old now and <laughs> <laughs> not very hip um, but yeah I, I would have um, I remember a few years ago being at a convention in Dublin and we were going out for dinner afterwards and I put on like a, a shirt and um, I don't know pair of 
slacks or whatever you call them. And I was in the front of a taxi and chatting to the taxi driver and the taxi driver was like, oh, you know, what are you up to? And I said, blah, blah, blah. And I set him up for the tattoo convention. And he's like driving the car, but kind of looking at me and driving the car and looking at me. And I was like, is everything okay? <laughs> and he's like, you don't look like one of them. <laughs> and I was like, what of what? And he was like, the tattoos. And I was like, well, you can only see my face. <laughs> uh, so just because I don't have tattoos on my face doesn't mean I don't have yeah. them. Um, so like, I, I yeah, I generally wouldn't get, the, at the odd time, somebody might say something, um, uh, but when they realize, if I was to kind of pull them up on it, they usually, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I a little bit of a funny story that I, I that in a working day, Lunchtime is literally like uh, a sandwich in uh, the, like we have a little kind of kitchen staff room. Yeah. Um, Aoife, our floor manager, our receptionist, who is amazing, I have to say that. She's, Hi, she's great. Um, she would like, you know, basically controls us and says, okay, it's lunchtime, you, you're allowed to eat a sandwich. <laughs> but there was a day when I had a bit more time and it was like, it was nice out. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go get an ice cream and I'm going to stand at the door and eat my ice cream in the sun. And so I got an ice burger and classic <laughs> classic. And I'm standing in the doorway, like the sun beating down on me. He's like, this is a, like a once in a year opportunity. And I was like, yeah. this is just lovely. And next minute a guy comes up the lane and uh, he, he kind of stops in front of me and he looks me up and down and he goes, uh, you do the tattoos in there, you do. <laughs> and I said, we do. And he said, and do you do them yourself? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I wouldn't be into him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I don't like him at all. Don't like him. And I'm like, dude, I just want to fucking eat my ice cream. <laughs> That's like something off Naked Camera when a PJ Gallagher yeah. shows, isn't it? So I'm just like trying to eat my ice burger in peace. And he just stands there going, yeah, wouldn't like him, wouldn't be into him. They're horrible little yokes. And I was like, okay, I need to, to say something back to him, you know? Yeah. So I kind of looked at him and I was like, he was a normal enough guy, but he was wearing a baseball cap. Yeah. Now, for the record, I have nothing against baseball caps. <laughs> but um, I just kind of said to him, I said, uh, you're wearing a baseball cap there. And he's like, yeah. So I wouldn't like him, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be into him. And he's like, what? I said, baseball caps, wouldn't be into him, wouldn't like him. And he just went, have a nice day and just walked off. <laughs> Brilliant, love it. So that's he's booked in on Tuesday for his first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some of uh, the lads like <clears throat> Nora um, would get a little bit of it. I know um, uh, Aoife's partner, Ben, he's heavily tattooed. Yeah. Um, he was out for lunch with his mother one day and had uh, a couple at the table next to them say to his mother, how could you go out in public with that? <gasps> um, you know, there has been really like snide kind of comments and stuff but you have to remember it's a really small percentage of people yeah you know and it it says more about them than it does ah, about, absolutely you know. absolutely um, so yeah what a world that we live in it's it's changing you know it, it's mm. starting to um you know chances are if you're going to be served by somebody or you're going to have a conversation with somebody they, they might have a tattoo so mm-hmm. Be careful. <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> um, I know just recently, four years ago, four, three and a half years, 
four. Am I getting the age wrong? Of your eldest. Um, but just recently you had two boys mm-hmm. uh, brought into the family. Yes, that's um, correct. When you think about uh, as they grow up, would you have any hopes for, for either of them to be in uh, tattooing or art? Um, if they wanted to be, mm. yeah. Uh, here's a funny one for you, and it's a good example of um, the kind of stereotype and, and views on uh, bodies. And um, uh, my eldest is three now. He was probably like one and a half at the time. Mm. And he had seen me like in boxer shorts and out of the shower with a towel around me, seen all my tattoos all the time. Like I have ones on my feet, my legs, my side, my hips, my neck, hands, arms, tattoos everywhere. But because he was born and then, you know, grew while I looked like this, he Mm. never even noticed that I had all these drawings all over my body. And then I got a new tattoo on my hand and we were kind of one morning we were after waking up and we we're messing in bed and, and next minute he, he ca- caught my arm and just started like rubbing the new tattoo and like feeling it and stuff. And I've loads of tattoos everywhere, but this was the only one that he noticed that it, this was new, no whereas the rest of them were just part way. of me. So That's insane. So like in terms of like his first like he's seeing you as like an almost a blank canvas even though you've all the tattoos yeah, and then you're getting yeah. this new tattoo so it stands yeah. out like as it, if you were getting your first to tattoo. Him, to him it was my first tattoo. His Wild. concept of me was that I was this coloured in person all along. That is nuts. Yeah. That, that'll that just show you um, how irrelevant. Um, oh God, I'm, I'm trying to think of the words for what that is. Yeah, to discriminate uh, or to look yeah. on somebody for... It's a learned behaviour. Yeah, completely. Completely yeah, yeah. learned. And it's a, yeah, it's a discriminatory kind of judgmental stereotype. And, like, and a lot of it is like, um, you know, oh, what would you be doing getting a Polynesian tattoo? You're not a Maori. Or yeah. like the Celts were covered in tattoos. There, there was mm. uh, Otzi the Iceman. Um, he was found at the foothills of the Alps, I think, uh, frozen, uh, like... 7,000 year old um, man and he had t- 37 tattoos. No way. Yeah, 7,000 years ago he had 37 tattoos. What do you imagine or how do you imagine they were doing that back uh, in the day? Just like stick and poke like, you know, just yeah. um, you know probably just like some kind of sharp implement. And what would have been the ink I wonder? Um, I'm not sure what they would have used. Wild. Uh, something indelible anyway that would um, yeah. stay in the skin. But yeah, so we've we've been tattooing each other uh, for as long as we've existed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a, a tribal a ritual, um, and like the beauty of it today is that there is still like people say, oh, what happens when they go out of fashion or whatever? If they do go out of fashion, mm-hmm. they'll just return to the underground. There's still an underground like scene of uh, it's a yeah. subculture. It has become commercialized and it's everywhere. But that is like uh, an attachment to the original as yeah. opposed to taking over from the original. And if they do go out of fashion and not as many people get them anymore, it'll just return to a subculture. It'll always mm-hmm. be there. It always has been there. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's why I wouldn't, uh, a lot of kind of old school artists will have a kind of feeling that it's been sold out and it's not, you know, what they mm. grew up to love and whatever. But 
I've kind of you can't stop change doesn't that happen with everything that's successful though yeah do you know what I mean there's always an argument for whether it's music or film or tattooing or well like Johnny Rotten was in the Sex Pistols and then he was on Love Island or Get Me Out of Here (laughs) and now he's the brand ambassador for is it Lurpak Butter or something yeah so you know know, everybody sells out in the end (laughs) (laughs) um have you ever thought about after tattooing? No, I'm fear of yeah. thinking about after tattooing. Um, like uh, the retirement age and all that kind of stuff. I, I maybe if I fell out of love with doing it yeah. or felt I wasn't good at it anymore. Mm. Um, I, I the one thing is I, I like I was saying earlier on. I, I'm adaptable. I could do something else. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but. But if you to think now, if there was if, if if you woke up in the morning and someone said, "I'm really sorry, you can't tattoo anymore," mm. like is is there anything? What is take second place? I mean, mm. playing for Liverpool or not is not an option at this stage in the game. Maybe last year, <laughs> but this year, no. Definitely not this year. Um, <laughs> um, I, no, I don't know. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have thought mm. about it. I don't. Do you know. feel like your entire identity is wrapped up in tattooing? No, no. And I'm very conscious of making sure it's not. Mm. Um, and that is actually a good question because there, with any creative art, mm. whether it's music or uh, painting or anything, there is a huge risk because um, it comes from somewhere in, I'm going to I'm gonna say your soul because you, you like those kind I of words. I love hearing you talk yeah. about the soul. Um, but... There, you have to give so much of yourself to it. Mm. Um, it comes from your imagination, your mind, your experiences, your views, uh, the music you listen to. It it it, it is uh, an expression of everything that you mm. are and that you've become. Um, there is a huge risk, and it, it's it, it. You can see it in tattooing. You can see it in music. You can see it in film. No, no matter what, any kind of creative concept, mm. where it defines the person and they become uh, identifiable just by what they do and they lose, lose track of who they are and they put aside all other hobbies or interests or relationships in pursuit of being, you know, the musician or yeah. the tattoo artist. And it's a really dangerous place to go because it, when you, for downtime then, it, you turn to, it can lead to addiction, it can lead mm-hmm. to like just behaviours that aren't really good for your, for your body or your mind. Yeah. Um, and then if it all does stop or it all, like in the case of a musician, uh, you stop making the hits so you're not popular anymore, mm. you're kind of left an empty shell. And it, yeah. it, it is something that I'm really, really conscious of that I separate myself from like it's what I do, but mm. I constantly remind myself that is to provide for uh, a lifestyle and provide for, you know, my family and um, yeah. Like even I wouldn't, I didn't put my name above the door of the studio. I chose a name that purposely that it's not me. Yeah. It's and it's you know, as, as for as well as the other artists that work in the studio, I don't want them working under my name mm-hmm. because I want them to be. Uh, artists in their own right they're not you know under me they're yeah. doing their own thing it's just they work in the studio mm-hmm. um, that's their place of work it's not uh, linked to me mm-hmm. and I'm conscious of that that um, yeah that I, I could, that, that I have that kind of like balance between my personal life and my work creative life mm-hmm. what's it been like um, to um, 
see the 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 progression of your baby sister uh, in the to, to start out working with you um and and training under you to now being like you know um one of the you know when the I was gonna say top setters in your tattoo studio <laughs> but I mean she's she's like it's so hard to get a, a, an appointment with her yeah well, but uh, but seeing how she progressed and and and, and um, found her own journey within tattooing yeah well Louise started out in JMDs when we were both there um and basically when I left she worked there for about another year maybe year and a half yeah. and then she took a, a sabbatical and did a around the world kind of trip, uh, circumnavigated the globe um, and then came to work with me. Um, and the, the beauty of our studio is like, right, my background, uh, I didn't go to college. I kind of, we went uh, straight into kind of working and then I actually worked in a bakery for a couple of years. And uh what bakery did you work in? Harney's. Did you work in Harney's yeah. in Chemical? No way. Blaz. <laughs> yeah. Iconic. Um, so, and even that was like using your hands. You know, we, yeah. it was all hand uh, kind of uh, made stuff. Um, so, Nora, uh, our resident French artist. Um, yeah. Bonjour, Nora. She, her background <laughs> was visual merchandising uh, in, when she was in France and she just had a really good portfolio yeah. and was just like, she's you know, has a lovely style about her. Um, John did um, animation in Cork mm. for, a, for a bit and Louise has a master's in fine art. So mm. it's all different backgrounds coming into it and Louise's thing, it's what I was saying earlier about jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. Louise's kind of watercolor stuff is, mm. you know, she's mastered that. That's yeah. what she's good at. And that's what people look for uh, to do. And she, yeah, has a huge waiting list. And uh, so, yeah, some of the stuff is, is mind blowing. Yeah, she's yeah. incredibly and and not only incredible in what she does. You would think that for someone to work so closely with you and to be in, in the environment where you are and see what you're doing, that she might maybe sort of replicate what you're doing. Mm. But she just has found like such a her unique, niche. her niche, yeah. a um, unique craft and a unique style. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, that's what's good about the studios. If you come in, like Nora specializes in kind of yeah. geometric and dot work. John, his uh, traditional and neo-traditional stuff is mm. excellent. Louise has her uh, watercolor stuff, um, and like Kilkenny is a great, great spot for it as well. Like Cartoon Saloon is there; it's full of animators. It, it is always art um, festivals and different things going on. Um, Dan Leo uh, used to work with us for of a couple course, of years. Yeah, his background yeah. was in graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, his stuff is amazing. And so. he's done so much graffiti work up here. Mm. If anyone uh, knows the Portobello Bridge, that massive big swan that was um, just outside the lower deck pub, I think it is, that was a Dan Leo mm. design. They've just painted over it, which we were all devastated because like. it was so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but incredible work. Um, what else is I going to ask you? Um, oh yeah. So, how long is it now that you've been tattooing professionally? Um, I'm going to say twenty years. Have you, or have you reached a, a pinnacle where um, you have an understanding of life contentment? Does it come from work? Does it come from the balance that you have of work and play, or? does it come from doing something that you love or is it none of the above? 
Um, maybe all of the above. Um, like, I, I don't know if anybody should ever say that they're content, like, you know, as in, like, I found contentment. Yeah. Um, I'm always kind of, like, if busy doing something or thinking about an idea mm-hmm. or, you know, w- when I started the studio, it was just me and then Nora came on board and then um, Louise came on board and we had to double the size of the studio and then Aoife came on board and then we, you know, the new studio um, is a commitment to, you know, we're going to be there for, for a good few years and yeah. have ideas about um, uh, getting another artist on board. Um, but yeah, I'm always, I suppose contentment is just like, always on the move always on the go always thinking mm-hmm. um as far as being stressed out with it and it it's like it's my own stress mm-hmm. and it's you're you're there's something at the end of it so I, I don't know if i ever feel like i'm really really content right mm-hmm. now and really really happy right now there's always like you know a buzz of like something going on in my head that so then in your personal life, does that transcend into your personal life or have you just got a, a have you figured out the balance of it? Um, like, what I'm trying to, to get an understanding or a sense of is for someone that is so consumed by work and work is probably not even a work is a kind of a negative connotation. Well, consumed by something that you love and you do it every day. Mm-hmm. How do you or do you um, have to then in your quiet time, like completely shut off? Or how do you balance yourself so that your brain isn't just completely running on empty, like 24 um, seven? I suppose like when, because I'm married and I have two kids, yeah. you know, everything that you do is kind of for them in the end anyway, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind oh, of fine. <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> Um, but like it's just finding the you know it's the nicest thing you've ever said okay (laughs) fuck me come on Um, like I I try to get home in the evening to see the kids have dinner with them spend a bit of time with them put them to bed and then I can go draw on again Mm. Um, you know weekends Sundays are completely um, Mm -hmm. family time um, and it, like, like last year with renovating the new shop and trying to do everything else, the work-life balance definitely suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I suppose Miriam is very understanding. She works very hard um, mm-hmm. as part of the studio and in the background, and she's very much part of all the decisions and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, we kind of, I suppose, we're just a good team, and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It, it, we don't really. Um, I don't feel that. Um, I'm too stressed out or too yeah. uh, like out of balance. I think we do enough, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of this year. I hope to to spend a bit more, take a bit more time off, and spend mm-hmm. a bit more time. But like, I'd be a fairly optimistic person, you know. Well, I'm I was not, just about to say, you'd be optimistic and quite um, positive in your in your thinking as well. Um, yeah. If if there's such a thing as a pessimistic, <laughs> optimistic, I'm probably it. Like if. You know, if somebody says, like, uh, what's the worst that could happen? You know, yeah. that's a really optimistic thing. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I actually think, what is the worst <laughs> that could happen? <laughs> and that's a good starting point. Yeah. I, I always play devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. But it's like, uh, it's a good way because you're st- you still have the idea and you still have the, the concept of what you want to do. But instead yeah. of going like, like, the thing with most people is 
when you ask advice about whether you should do something, they have no skin in the game. So they're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Tom Cruise doing Irish accent. Absolutely, do it. <laughs> and look how that turned out. Uh, I loved Far and Away. I thought that was a wonderful movie. <laughs> but if you, if, like, I do like to, to kind of, uh, this is going to sound cliche, but surround yourself with like positive people. Yeah. And like, you, you know, you, you can have negative people in your life and ask them for advice and then do the exact opposite. That's, yeah. that's a good idea as well. But yeah, um, yeah like I, I, I suppose... I'd be, um, yeah, like I'd I'd have an idea and I'd be like, I want to do this or I want to move forward with this, but Mm -hmm. what are the pitfalls of it and how do I avoid them? I would be kind of good at, and I suppose maybe that's what I mean about I can be a little bit pessimistic or a glass half empty, but in the grand scheme of things, I would be very optimistic because we'll take the risk and we'll do it and and see what happens. And if if something fails... uh, I wouldn't let it get me down. I, I would try and learn from it. I wouldn't get too stressed yeah. out. And I'd always try to encourage other people as well, you know, and try to, if somebody comes with an idea, I'd rather um, push them towards doing it. But I would definitely be like, you know, the neg who's going like, yeah, but what if this happens? Yeah. Rather than just going, because people love going, Jesus, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You'll love I, it. I think people g- get like that when the consequences are not on them. Completely, yeah. They've, no, they've no skin in the game. Exactly. You know, so you're just, just like, yeah, like, go yeah, for it. Yeah. It, just, it means nothing to me, but it, you know, yeah. when it's on you, you're like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. And um, if it all falls apart, you go back and like, you told me to do it. And they're like, yeah. But, yeah, well, you didn't have to listen to me though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's on you now. Yeah, exactly. Um, before I let you go, what has been um, the greatest lesson that you've under that you've um, lesson that you've learnt mm. in your long career? Not only in your career, in life. Is there one one life lesson that stands out? Um, probably another kind of cliche thing, but um, I try not to to kind of judge people too much mm. um, to like I suppose be kind to myself and be kind to other people like that um, I know what it's like to go through a, a period of like anxiety and mm. uh, you know a really bad time and so I, I suppose I, I have a, a lot more empathy mm-hmm. now than I, I would have um, and I think it's needed like in today's social media driven world where people can be so cruel online and uh, be really hurtful to people that you know not everybody has a thick skin and at different times like again I'm 90% of the time I'm pretty confident and I'm sure of myself and Mm. my career choices and what I do and my work but there are times when I question everything you know that I worry am I good enough and I worry about you know home life and all that kind of stuff um, and if I'm doing it, I'm sure everybody else is doing it. So I just kind of like, um, yeah, listen to people and, and be a little bit kinder to people is a, a really good uh, kind of um, actually something that Jonathan said on the podcast last week about when he gets up in the morning, he feeds the dog. Yeah, that was brilliant. And it's like it's such a a true thing that we, we're living in a world now where a lot of it is kind of like um, even to kind of look after yourself stuff is all about yeah. you know be a little bit selfish or whatever but one of the best ways of getting over any issue that you have is to distract yourself if you're yes. distracted you can't be uh, 
feeling anxious or depressed or mm. full of panic or you know full of self-loathing or whatever it is and one of the best ways to distract yourself is to focus on somebody else and if you're making sure somebody else is okay you're not worrying about your own shit yes um, absolutely so yeah just be be kind to one another it's a good one though it's so simple isn't it like yeah. i mean i always like ask people kind of in and around this 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 same question and everyone is always like you know it's either kindness or love or you know to do good or be good and the, the comments like we're 27 episodes deep now and there's a common thread with all the people that are sat in that chair is that like everyone has you know a love for what they do they have self-doubt they have those mm. you know question themselves and it's all just about like you know being kinder being better being nicer mm-hmm. like going out into the world into you know and try and make it a better place and I could be wrong what do I know but I think that you know the common thread between all of that is everyone that sat in that chair is successful in their own right in some way in something that they're doing um and I think that when people have that consciousness of being better and doing better and wanting to be better, it usually means because they're chasing something in their lives that's making them happy mm-hmm. or that they're passionate about or they're, you know, that that, that has gives them a bit of drive. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, would you agree with that, that it's it's almost like our duty or a purpose as a, as a human to find something that yeah. we're passionate about? Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be a career. It can no, be anything. So, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, to have a purpose is purpose. a great thing. Yeah. Well, that's where I think the distraction thing comes into. Yeah. If, you, if you're distracted enough with something uh, positive and something good, mm. um, you don't have time to wallow in your own misery or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely distraction is, is uh, a really, really good way of, of mm. dealing with shit that's going on in your head. Amazing. Very good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'd just like to say uh, thanks for having me on. But I, I kind of did a little bit of like when you asked me, I said I better, you know, <laughs> uh, do do my homework. Uh, and I've been really impressed with what you've been doing. And one mark of a really good interviewer, um, I don't know if you ever listened to Sean Moncrief, but I think he's a great interviewer because a lot of the time the people he interviews say that's a really good question. And listening to your podcast the last few weeks I've been listening to different episodes and I found myself going that's a really good question you're doing great really keep it up really yes <laughs> thank you so much let's start fucking balling again here thank you that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me in <laughs> 20 odd years thank you very much I appreciate that it was you're great welcome. to get you on thanks for having me on yeah it's like it's weird because obviously you're like a brother to me like and an adoptive dad as well <laughs> I'm like your child um, and um, yeah listen likewise I'm always inspired by the great work that you do and I'm del- I love being able to tell people that you're my friend um, because you. you're so talented and skilled at what you do um, and thank you very much listen you worked all day today you drove up from Kilkenny you're going back to Waterford now and you're mm-hmm. working in the morning so thank you very much and please give that wonderful wife and two beautiful boys a big high five and a smooch from me I will indeed thank you so much before we let you go for people that want to find out more about your work um, social media Facebook Instagram 
Uh, do you have a website? Yeah. Uh, not live at the moment. Okay, it's but, on the way. So yeah. uh, Facebook and Instagram. Is it the High Society? High Society Tattoo. Um, uh, yeah, put in either of them uh, on Facebook or Instagram. And then Ian Flynn Tattoo. Ian Flynn Tattoo. Uh, Regina Falange 5. Uh, not Dead Yet Tattoos. And Louise Flynn Art. Absolutely. Um, and all the guys are as equally uh, fantastic as the other. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It's a great episode, great insight. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Ian Flynn for the first exchange. Cheers. Cheers.